1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch.
0: Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of EquityMates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this but Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own
1: Now time. you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome to another episode of Get Started Investing. In this podcast, we cover all the basics you need to start your investing journey. Are you joining us for the very first time? Is this the very start of your investing journey? Well, before you dive into this episode with us, our feed is designed to go from the very beginning. So we strongly recommend that you scroll up and start from episode one. However, if you are feeling brave and just want to dive in, then of course, don't let us stop you. Here at GSI, we unpack all the jargon and the confusing bits. We hear your investing stories with the goal of making investing less intimidating and we want to have a good time along the way. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going?
0: I'm very good, Bryce. I'm pumped for this episode, uh, third part of our ethical investing series but I must say I'm also a little intimidated. Yes, You have pulled out the company credit card and gone <laughs> wild on uh, the Sony store, I guess. The or Sony te- store, te- Ted's camera, camera Warehouse, unsponsored. Uh, but given the amount of kit that you bought, maybe it should have been sponsored. I am surrounded by cameras, tripods. You've even bought one of those big, uh, big yeah, lights. lights. Yeah, Yes, lights. Coat tire. So... Um, Look, if you want to watch us on YouTube, if you want to see our faces, uh, jump over there because the amount Bryce has spent on this stuff, yeah, I need some ROI. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can we caveat that there's a lot of gear and not a lot of idea yeah, at the oh, moment? Mate, it's gonna be, it's gonna be take a while for us to get up to speed. We've got the podcast down, Pat, but when it comes to video, yeah, a bit of learning to do. We thought we'd start big and see what happens.
0: Oh, you started big. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no half measures
1: here. <laughs> so you're right, Ren. We do have our YouTube. It is um, something that we don't often push, but head across there. We've got a lot of content on there from our AusBiz TV show, a bunch of old episodes. We haven't been able to get to video due to lockdown and COVID, and uh, we're stoked to be able to be get back in the studio and, and get some cameras up and running. So... Uh, That's enough on that though, Ren. You did mention at the top that we're here to close out our three-part series on ESG investing and uh, that's what we're going to do today and really have a conversation about what it means to actually invest ethically and what the options are. We've spoken about um, the how and the why. Well, more about the why.
0: Let's recap the first two episodes in case people have just jumped in or are finding us on YouTube and have no idea where we're at.
1: True, (laughs) true. Unfortunately, we don't have the first two on video. We do have them on the podcast. We do have them on the
0: podcast. So first episode uh, in this ethical investing series, we covered the debate around ethical investing, why people choose to invest ethically, what that actually means. And then also there's a number of detractors when it comes to ethical investing. And there's a lot of people that argue it's more marketing gimmick and an excuse for higher fees. So we covered that debate, shared our views, And then in the second episode, we got down into the nitty gritty and we actually asked the question, what is ethical investing? Because it's in the eye of the beholder, it can mean different things to different people and there's a number of factors to consider. And I think the important thing underlying it all is that there is no perfect company. No. Every company that you think uh, is ethical or unethical exists on a spectrum and You know, the the job of us as investors or as ethical fund managers out there is to decide where they draw that line, how they balance different priorities. And so that's what we chatted about on the last episode. And in this one, we're going to say, look, if you're putting this in the too hard basket, you don't have to make these decisions yourself because there's a whole world of ethical fund managers that you can give your money to. So we're going to cover how you need to approach that, what are some of the considerations and then what are some of your options in today's episode?
1: Yeah. So just to recap as well, we put some links in our show notes from last week and, and spoke to some experts around finding information and if you want to do it yourself, you know, some really good resources, Mary Manning, we had Emily O'Neill as well and Adam Verway all share some of their great resources. But as you said, Ren, this one is all about really backing the professionals mm. with your money. And there's nothing wrong with that. We say, we say this on the show a lot. There are advantages in giving your money to the pros. And in ESG, it's certainly a a consideration.
0: Not only is there nothing wrong with it, most countries around the world, you have to do that. If you have a pension system, if you have a superannuation account in Australia, a 401k in America, uh, if you know, pension uh, in Europe or uh, in Canada, chances are you have money parked with fund managers yeah. and in a lot of countries around the world, you have some choice over which fund managers you park your money with and so if ethical investing is something that's important to you, that's a good vehicle to, to park some money with ethical managers. So
1: Ren, let's start at the top and it, if you're thinking about where to park your money and, and who to go with, there are two sort of approaches that you can take. The first is the divestment approach, the second is the engagement approach.
0: Yeah, Big debate in the fund manager community at the moment, mm. um, and there's no right answer here, and that's a recurring theme in these three <laughs> yeah. episodes.
1: That uh, I hope people don't leave this being like, "There's no right answer, so I'm not going to engage."
0: Yeah, I hope so as well. Yeah, because then we would have not- just wasted our time. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so the let's let's uh, start with what they mean because there's a lot of ethical funds out there, and their answer to this question will dictate. What they actually are investing in, and then how they manage those investments, and they engage with the companies. So divestment is you don't own any companies with ethical concerns. Mm. You sell them. Mm. You you steer clear of them. You know, if if there's a tobacco company, if there's a casinos, yeah, a coal miner, um, you say not for me. I'm not gonna put my money with you. And basically they're excluded from the investing world. That hurts the company in a number of ways. You know, they, they have less buyers for their shares. So the share price might fall. They have less institutions and funds that are willing to participate in like capital raises and give them money to, to grow the business, to lend them money and, and buy their bonds. So divestment is one approach which basically says we're going to exclude these companies until they become more ethical or more sustainable in our eyes.
1: All right. So that's divestment. What about the engagement side of things? What's the difference between that approach versus the, I don't want to own any companies that are not ethical?
0: Yeah. So engagement is the other approach, which is I am happy to own some of these companies that are not ethical in my eyes, but I'm going to be active in engaging with the company and advocating for change.
1: That's a a much more activist approach in some way. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Tough to do
0: very tough especially if you're a minority shareholder yeah. like if you own 0.6% <laughs> of the share registry it's like is uh, how much is the company going to listen to your concern on the other hand if you're a vanguard or a blackrock you know some of those you know multi trillion dollar asset managers and you own 25% of a company well the company's going to listen to you yeah <laughs> they're really
1: going <laughs> to listen to yeah. you yeah So then, as a retail investor, and if you're thinking about um, who to put your money with, is there sort of a a more right approach with this sort of stuff? It sounds quite difficult and daunting to say I want to take an engagement approach, because as you said, you need to be pretty significant uh, shareholder to actually enforce a lot of change. But you also, on the other hand, might not want to. Be investing in yeah, companies.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, you don't need to be a significant shareholder, but if you are a small shareholder, you need to be a consensus builder. Mm. You need to be able to convince other shareholders to join you in whatever you're advocating for. Mm. Look, there's no right approach, there's just different approaches, and different fund managers can make very compelling cases for both. You know, the divestment one is sort of more intuitive. If you don't think it's ethical, you don't own it and the company is incentivized to change because they want to get more shareholders on their register. And the classic example of that is what Woolworths just did by selling their gaming and Mm. liquor business. Mm. There are a whole bunch of global pension funds sitting on the sidelines telling Woolworths, we want to invest in your shares, you're a great supermarket business, you pay a strong dividend, you're a business we want to own but we can't because we have ethical concerns about your pubs and gaming business. You're that exposed to poker machines. It's You're out. funny. So we won't invest in you. Yeah. And Brad Banducci, the Woolworth CEO, heard those concerns and responded to those concerns and said, Sad we're going to change. We're getting rid of that. And now all these global pension funds can invest in Woolworth." So that's a case study of how divestment works. Engagement is... I don't have a clean, I don't have a clean example. I do you? It's the only thing I
1: can think of when it comes to engagement and I'm sure we'll touch on some of these fund managers later, but there's a few specific funds who will write to companies and act on behalf of all the shareholders, well, all of the uh, investors in their fund and sort of advocate for change or you know, say that we're no longer going to invest in you unless you address these concerns.
0: You've hit a point there, which is the divestment and engagement idea can live on a spectrum. Like a lot of companies will engage and then if a company doesn't change, they will say, all right, we're selling and we're getting out. Mm. It's just, yeah, whether they're really in in the first place is, is the question. The reason this is important is because you might end up owning shares in companies that you don't want to own. There might be a fund manager that's been engaging with BHP and convincing them to sell their oil business, oil and gas business, which they recently have. But you might have owned BHP shares for a number of years, but Mm. you might not be comfortable with that. Mm. BHP have got rid of their oil and gas business. They are moving to, I guess, more future economy mining. But, you know, you've got to be aware of where your fund manager sits because that will dictate what companies they own. Mm. I want to close this with an idea that I've had. (laughs) Okay. And, And it's been an idea that I am so surprised that no one's doing. I think BlackRock are getting there, but... There's all these big index uh, ETF providers, you know, like an ASX 200 index, S&P 500 index, NASDAQ 100 index. And and all the big ETF providers have these like super vanilla, low fee index funds. BlackRock have iShares, BetaShares, Vanguard. They're commodities. Like they're exactly the same index product. They just got a different stock market ticker. Mm. When we decide between them, we look at fees. They're a commodity. So it's like, how can I get it for the lowest cost? I reckon one of the ETF providers needs to come out and say, we're going to offer a vanilla index ETF, an ASX 200 ETF, Mm. but we're going to be super active in pushing climate and sustainability concerns with every company in there because – We're going to be big shareholders on their register. So don't go to any of the other index providers that offer exactly the same product. You're getting the same product with us, but we're going to make ruckus in (laughs) boardrooms. We're going to hold CEOs' feet to the fire and we're going to advocate for change, whereas all these other index providers just are sort of neutral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, For me, I'd be like, look, I'm willing to pay two basis points more in fees because... If I say that you guys are making a difference,
1: it's a good idea. I guess you'd want to see some difference. So it's a lot of um, a lot of work on the end of the the provider to hit up all two hundred and actively make some change. But hey, I feel like that's where the world the world of investing is going anyway. They're all eventually going to have to.
0: You know what? Also, would be a lot of work. What cleaning up after climate change?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you're out there and you're an ETF provider and you're listening to this, there's an idea.
0: Yeah happy to be a consultant.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I think the first thing, Ren, is when you're looking to put your money somewhere to invest ethically, you really want to have an idea of their investing philosophy. You want to make sure that they're incredibly clear on what their mandate is, what they are including and what they are excluding uh, within the ETF or within within their fund.
0: In my mind, there's sort of three and there's obviously a number of subsets, but there's sort of three broad categories that you might see. there's like narrow ESG, which ESG funds that will just exclude like tobacco, weapons, gambling, that sort of traditional stuff. Then there's like climate focused ESG, which is, you know, they're really focused on oil and gas and coal miners and um, companies that are emissions heavy and stuff like that. And then we have broader ESG funds that are worried about everything from governance, social considerations, animal testing, resource use, a lot broader than some of the more narrow ESG or climate ESG funds. And within that, there's a number of different subsets. But I think the important thing is every fund will have their own take on what's included and what's excluded and how they make that decision. And if you're going to put your money with one of them, make sure you know what their take on that is.
1: Yeah, and then we spoke, re, I think, on Equity Mates and had a look at some of the ESG funds, and some of them are incredibly concentrated. And then, if you look at perhaps one of the Vanguard ones, for example, which had, I think, over a thousand companies in it and had a sustainable or ESG in the title. So, there's yeah, an example a, of taking the broad approach. We got a um, bit of
0: hate from that episode. We <laughs> did. We did. But, but I
1: think that's just an example of you got to know and, um, you know, Vanguard obviously have their, their mandate and philosophy and the, around building that index compared to a manager or an ETF that has 30 yeah, stocks in yeah.
0: it. And in terms of how you can do that, so every fund manager on their website will try and make that as clear as possible. If it's an ETF like the Vanguard one, you can actually go onto their website and download every holding um, and that's what we did for a couple of the uh, ethical ETFs that we talked about in that episode also, if the fund managers are doing YouTube videos or podcasts or webinars and stuff, like listen to them. Listen to how they approach this topic. When we spoke to Adam Verway in last week's episode for this ASJ series, he made a good point that I think it's worth repeating here. Sometimes the wording that fund managers use is really important. So he made the point around coal. Um, So he's the CEO and co-founder of Future Super and they are hard. We exclude all coal, no coal, just no coal, pretty simple. But he made the point that there's a number of ESG funds out there that say they exclude thermal coal, uh, which means that, you know, there's still a lot of coal that could be included in uh, that investing portfolio.
1: Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with saying that, but it can be very misleading if you're, um, or or if you don't actually have a look and be careful with what they're saying and you you take a stance that you think they're investing in no coal at all,
0: uh, yeah, you yeah. might
1: find that you're investing in companies that, yeah, they're not in thermal coal, but they're in coal.
0: There's nothing wrong with that because as we keep saying throughout this episode, there's no right or wrong answers no. here, but it's just, if it's important to you, make sure that it's, You're investing in what's important to you, Mm.
1: yeah. So another thing to consider, Ren, when backing the professionals or looking to put uh, money into some funds is how they go about their research. So there are a number of funds that we've had on the show before who have in-house research teams who are actively going out there and making their own sort of recommendations and considerations around companies and whether they meet their own criteria for ESG and sustainability And then there are other ways in which these funds and and managers can go out and buy third party research or just track pre-made indexes that are um, sustainable or ESG. So if it's important to you that the company and you're backing the manager to make those decisions, as I said, there are companies who have that in-house approach versus um, taking on third party or index.
0: Yeah. And I think the thing here is if they're taking research from a third party or an index provider, just know how that third party approaches ESG or how that index provider builds the index. Mm. Because really then that's the important consideration, not so much what the fund manager is saying, if the fund manager is just following an index or others' research. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So another factor to consider, Ren, is the screening approach that these managers and professionals take. Uh, We have spoken about this on the show before. And it's to do with how they create their universe of stocks. Yeah. So one approach is a positive screen and that's where they are looking for companies who are doing the best in class in ESG, so environmental, social governance. They're looking for companies who are actively doing something to better climate change. They're looking for ways to put companies into their universe. Whereas a negative approach is where they say we are not going to take any companies engaged in particular activities. We're going to exclude all those and then any remaining companies are in our universe to invest.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Negative screen is if you're in gambling, you're out. Yeah. Similar to what we spoke about with divestment before. It's clean. It's simple. It's easy. I don't care what you do over here. I don't care what you're trying to do better over there. If you got a poker machine, You're we're, not, out. we're not touching you. Positive screen is a little bit more. Um, there's a little bit of art as well to the science, and it's you know, are they improving? Are they an industry leader? Are they you know innovating? And it, you can find companies that are uh, perhaps wouldn't meet that negative screen. Maybe they do have some exposure to fossil fuels, or they do have some exposure to gambling, but they are leading the industry in changing or they're inventing new technologies to move away from that or they're on the process of getting rid of those, those assets or those parts of their business and stuff like that. So positive screen, I guess, is more about change or finding leaders in an industry, whereas negative screen is just simple. You're in it. We're not touching you. Come back and talk to us when you're out.
1: And just like all managers, uh, when you're putting money in, you need to consider their approach to, I guess, active versus passive, how they're managing the portfolio. Are they going to be index tracking? Are they going to be rebalancing? Uh, Are they going to be taking an active approach? All those things are pretty straightforward to find information on.
0: Now, I know we've given a big shopping list of things and all of that is on top of just the normal investing due diligence that, that you should be doing. What's the fund's objective? What benchmark are they trying to beat? What's their investing philosophy? What are they investing in? Is the manager a good manager? Do they have a lot of experience? It can be overwhelming. Mm. I am almost overwhelmed just going through that list. And I think that the key thing is... Go at the very least, go to the fund manager's website, read about how they invest and how they approach ethical investing and make sure that it aligns with what you're comfortable with.
1: Too right, Ren. And uh, that brings us to the point where we get into the fun part and the nitty gritty and talk about what our investing options are and give some very clear examples. But before we do that, we'll just take a quick break. So, we have a list of options here, Ren. We've got the passive approach that you can take. We've got a bit around ethical bonds. We've got a bit around some active approaches that you can take. And of course, we can't close this out without talking about superannuation. Super, super important. This list is by no means exhaustive. There's plenty of options out there, but one of our good friends, Owen, has kind of uh, pulled together. Some great options for us.
0: Yeah, Owen uh, Raskovic of Rask Australia. He has built a website, bestetfs.com.au. If you go there, he has a landing page list of ethical ETFs. It's by no means complete, but hopefully, Owen, this is the kick that you need to complete (laughs) it. Um, But it's a good list and it, it, it can give you an idea of all of your investing options. Importantly... This part of the episode is going to be very Australian-focused. But if you are listening from overseas, all of the principles are relevant. All of these products that we're talking about listed in Australia have equivalents overseas. If you're from the UK or the US, you actually have a heap more options. Must be nice. So I think the principles of you've got passive options, you've got actively managed options, and then you have retirement account options are the same. They'll just have different t- ticket codes and potentially different companies issuing them. Although these days, a lot of the companies are the same as well. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's the thing. All right, well, let's start with the passive approach and there's mostly there ETFs here, Ren. And-,
0: and so when we're talking about passive, these are products that track an index that's provided generally by someone else. Yeah. Um, and every quarter, so every three months or every six months, maybe every year, the index will change, and then these etFs will change in accordance with the index, but other than that, they're not really making a lot of active decisions, yeah, some of them will have a like an ethical management committee um, I know beta shares do with future super for some of their products, and they'll they'll, I guess, put their two cents on top of what they see coming out of an index and they'll say, you know, they've made some famous decisions over time. They made the decision to exclude Tesla a couple of years ago. They made the decision to exclude Facebook a few years before that. But really, that's the extent of it. Mm -hmm. These are ones are passive and they're just going to, Follow an index.
1: And just a reminder that you must go and check out the fund providers' websites to get further information on those indexes and the approach that they take. So, Ren, let's start with beta shares. You mentioned it there. Some of their more popular ones are their global sustainability leaders. The ticker is ETHI. Very popular in the equity rates community, Australian sustainability leaders. The ticker is Fair, and their climate change innovation ETF. Their ticker is E R T H Earth.
0: Love the uh, ticker codes yes. that uh, that ETF providers are getting uh, these days. Uh, if we move to Vanek, they are similar. They have a Australian sustainable uh, equity. Uh, ticker code G-R-N-V, and then an international sustainable equity uh, ESG-I. So similar to beta shares, they have an Australian one and an international one. Then they also have a more concentrated clean energy, ETF Van at clean energy, ticker C-L-N-E. Uh, Vanguard,
1: one of the- well, the, the pioneer of the ETFs, they have Vanguard Ethically Conscious International Shares Index. The ticker on the ASX is VESG.
0: iShares, which is BlackRock, have an ES- Australian ASG leaders, IESG, SBDR, which is State Street, have an... ASX 200 ESG, so they, they take the ASX 200 and put a bit of an ESG tilt to yeah. it uh, and that ticker is E200 and then there's other ETF providers as well. Russell have an Australian responsible investment from memory, do your own research obviously, but I'm pretty sure it's focused on high dividend yields in the ethical space uh, and that ticker is RARI.
1: So, I'm interested with the ASX200 ESG, the SPDR one, Ren, if you know how they actually get that 200. Like, surely they can't say all companies in the ASX200 have some sort of ESG sustainable lens, or are they saying that?
0: No, no, no. I oh, think it's like they take the they 200. take the ASX 200 and then they either exclude some or they underweight them.
1: Yeah, interesting. So it's so tough
0: the- if you're excluding them. Australians love a mining stock. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's
1: what I mean. And yeah, and banking and all sorts of things. So interesting how they what approach they take. And so you are actually getting the index. It's just weighted differently.
0: Yeah, interesting. Not, not to call out Owen again, but I actually did come across this one on Owen's best ETFs website. A lot of incomplete information on this one, Alan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ren, let's move to ethical bonds, something that a a lot of the community may not have heard of. Yeah,
0: let's get through this quickly because, you know... Mm. Bonds. (laughs) Bonds. <laughs> <laughs> but there are, if you, in the same way that companies have shares that you can invest in, a lot of these companies uh, issue debt through bonds that you can invest in. And if you want to invest in companies that are ESG-focused, you you can um, invest in their bonds as well. Vanguard have an ethically conscious global bond index, V-E-F-I. Beta shares have an ethical diversified bond, ETF, GBND. You know, lower growth, but you'll get some consistent uh, dividends. From the bond yield, and you know it'll exclude bonds in companies that are uh, don't meet their ethical screens. Mm. Yeah.
1: So turning towards managed funds that are uh, you know have fund managers actively managing their portfolio. Uh, a couple that have listed uh, funds available. Uh, one that we've had on the show a couple of times is E Invest Better Future Fund. We had the portfolio manager last week, uh, Emily O'Neill. The ASX ticker is IMPQ.
0: Yeah. That one wins a lot of awards. It
1: does. So yeah. this isn't
0: us putting our two cents in, but objectively, Canstar and you know Zenith and all of them seem to like it. So
1: and they have their in-house research
0: team. They do doing yeah. that sort
1: of stuff. And then there's, as we said, this is not an exhaustive list, but another one to consider might be the E Invest. Uh, sorry, the Invest Smart Ethical Share Fund. The ASX ticket is I N E S.
0: Yeah, and we should expect a lot more to come to market. Yeah. Like uh, the the active ETF space, those managed funds in an ETF product wrapper, is one of the fastest growing areas of the market, and that's going to grow. That list is going to grow. Um, and watch out for it because there might be some fund managers that tickle your fancy. Yes.
1: Now, <laughs> so, Ren, we did do a. Big uh, series on superannuation with superhero and uh, you can't go past speaking about ESG without considering the impact that you can have through your super fund Mm. and the options that are now becoming available and have been for a while with ESG and super.
0: Yeah, and and this is on a number of levels. So everything that we've spoken about, about ethical investing is relevant for super because, you know, they're massive pools of money. They have a lot of... Um, they own a lot of shares in a lot of these big uh, Australian companies and more and more international companies as well. And they can throw their weight around. So so that's number one. But number two, super funds also invest off the stock market. And, you know, super funds have been some of the biggest drivers of renewable energy investment um, and the like in Australia. So superannuation is where you can really make your dollar go further if you want to invest ethically mm. because super funds have – the balance sheet, the power and the time to, to really make a difference.
1: Okay. So we know that they can make a difference. They can do something about it. What, what can I do about it as a, as someone with super?
0: Yeah. Well, we can decide where we put our super, who invests our super for us. Yeah. So for me, there's two ways to think about super. There are, there are businesses like fund management businesses that are all in on ethical investing. And then there are traditional super businesses that have traditional super products, but then also have an ESG fund that you can invest in. I was doing some research on this and trying to get a list of the ladder of, you know, super funds that invest traditionally but have an ESG fund and the long and the short of it is basically every super fund today has an ESG option.
1: Rookies if they don't, to be honest. Honestly, yeah.
0: yeah, dumb. yeah. yeah. And, and I think the important thing there is you've got to look about what their philosophy is when they're investing ethically. They might not be investing in renewable energy infrastructure and stuff like that in the same way that some of the full all-in ESG fund managers are, but they might be yeah. because – Renewable energy is a pretty good yield play. Like you're pretty good payoff these days for a lot of these super funds. When I was in the sustainability business back in uh, an old life, super funds were the ones pouring money into that space because Mm. they were desperate for consistent sustainable yield Mm. and return on their investments and Mm. energy infrastructure was a good play. So Mm. have a look at that. But I think the two that we want to talk about are the two full ESG funds. So, one of the oldest in the space, Australian Ethical.
1: Yeah, massive. And um, Future Super is one of the younger in the space, been around for a number of years now. We've had uh, Adam Verwey, who's the co founder and managing director, as we said at the top of the show, he was on last week and we've interviewed him a couple of times on Equity Mates Investing Podcast you'd actually like a bit of detail around how they approach their positive screens and their negative screens and all those um, sorts of things. And they're very active and in terms of um, activism, actually writing to uh, companies and and asking for change and getting them to respond to particular requests, um, they're doing a great job in the space. So that's Future Super and Australian Ethical Super are both ESG, full ESG Super Funds.
0: And we're not, saying that future is better than Australian Ethical no, no, because no. we've had Adam Verwey on a number of times. We're just saying he's a really good bloke because he keeps agreeing to, to give us his time. <laughs> yeah. Australian Ethical, yeah. if you're listening, come, out. come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, look, if you
1: do want to compare, I guess, super funds when it comes to this, there's a great comparison table. It's www.marketforces.org.au/ Super funds.
0: The irony of that is Bryce G's up at me I, as whenever soon as I, said I read out URLs. Know. He's like, no <laughs> one reads out URLs. Well, as soon as I started it. reading, what- i like,
1: damn it, Ren's <laughs> going to have a crack. <laughs> what we'll do
0: is we'll also include this in the show notes. Yep. So if you just want to click a link rather than backtrack and listen to Bryce read that URL again. <laughs> um, but Market Forces is a great uh, resource. They do a lot of work in the climate space looking at companies, their sort of I guess a watchdog, I guess you'd call it a, um, yeah, an independent voice in the space, but they have looked at every super fund and looked at their climate commitments. Now, when we were prepping for this episode, uh, I was in uh, talking to Bryce and then Darcy, who works with us as well. Uh, we looked at both of your super funds on this uh, comparison table. What was the result?
1: Well, I take a different approach with my super, but (laughs) it was, um, I can't remember. It wasn't great. It
0: wasn't great. Yeah. Yeah. It got crosses across the board. Host
1: plus get together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But look, Ren, that does bring us to the end of our episode, but we've, we've covered a lot of ground in this. And I know that there's probably, it can kind of often feel a bit overwhelming. So I'd probably suggest listening to this a couple of times because we did, we did have a lot of information in there, but I think over the the main message that we want to carry through here is there is no right or wrong approach to this stuff. We just really encourage you guys to be as active and engaged as possible. Do your own research. There's plenty of information out there, including the resources from our experts from last week. Head to the the pages of any of the fund managers or ETFs that you're looking to invest in. I feel like it's only going to get easier, this space. There's no doubt it's a bit clouded and grey at the moment, but... We're all heading in the right direction.
0: Yeah. Let me finish with three key takeaways from the episode and a final thought, which is, first of all, your money can make a difference and we're seeing the effect of ethical investing in the space. We've talked uh, two examples throughout it, but it is having an impact. So, so that's the first thing. The second thing is that if you want to invest ethically yourself, you can and there are resources out there but it can be difficult and there's a lot of information that can be hard to get for the everyday investor, but it's still a worthwhile endeavour doing. And then the third thing is if you do find it so hard, you can back the professionals. There's plenty of information on the fund managers out there. They're all trying to sell themselves. There's a whole bunch of independent websites and you know organisations that are reviewing them. So there's plenty of information out there uh, if you want to back the professionals but the final thought, and I think the most important thing to take away from all of this, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you feel like this is something that you want to do but it's too hard, don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. You said it. <laughs> <laughs> the differences here we're talking about, like these funds can be different but still they're all, you know, heading in the right direction. They're all generally focused on similar things and, you know, trying to make change and approach the markets with an ethical lens. And, you know, whether the first choice you make is the perfect choice, I think isn't the right question. I think, you know, you've got plenty of time as an investor to work this stuff out. If this is something that's important to you, find something that you think works. And if you decide that it doesn't work and you need to change, you can. But yeah. Don't let perfection be the enemy of the good here. Don't put it in the too hard basket and don't get started if this is important to you.
1: Well, I'm going to leave it there, Ren. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a lot of fun over the last three episodes. We do really hope that it's helped you on your ESG uh, journey. If you'd like to hit us up, you can head to contact at equitymates.com. Go and join our discussion group on Facebook. If you're not, the Equity Mates Investing Discussion Group, join the conversation there. We're on all of the socials as well. But otherwise, make sure you buy our book, Get Started Investing, if you would like more info on broader uh, topics around starting your investing journey. So thanks for uh, being with us over the last three episodes. We're super pumped to continue these series until the end of the year, but Ren, we'll pick it up next week. Sounds good. Get Started Investing is a product of Equity Bates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Get Started Investing are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Get Started Investing acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander
0: people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag, say hello to Quince.